the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome along. This is another episode of The Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This is episode 305 for the week commencing Monday the 24th of November 2014. I'm Edwin Herman here in the studio in Wellington and joining me over a Skype connection, I am joined by Ben Sunko. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks, Ed. So, Ben, was it a good weekend for you? Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was all right. I've had a little bit of a, like an almost flu, like not quite flu. Oh, that's no uh, good. Or not quite cold. Yeah. But, but I, I, th- think it, I think it hasn't quite set in, so that's good. I don't think it will now. And I understand you have some good news too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been looking for, um, for some land just out in the middle of nowhere. I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it. Mm. Yeah. And I've, I've been looking for, I don't know, maybe nine months, ten months or so, um, and I finally found something. So Really? I should have it that, all settled by Christmas time, and I'll, <laughs> I'm planning on spending Christmas night out there. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm pretty stoked, though. So it's just a piece of land, right? There's no uh, buildings yep, or amenities? piece of land, no, no water, no power, no phone, no cell phone coverage, just nothing. Just, wow. Yep. Is it is it flat land or slopey land or uh, a little bit of both? Um, there's a bit of flat and there's a little bit of hills and there's some trees and it's got a river that runs in the middle of it. It's um, really nice. That is really cool. Mm, yeah, looking forward to getting away from it all. Yeah, a break away from the city. Yeah, and then hopefully one day you know I'll be able to build a house out there. Very um, nice. That's the plan. Very very nice. Mm. Um, I myself have been uh, experimenting with. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Conway's Game of Life. No. It's not a game, but it's called, it really should be called simulation or something, but it's called Game of Life. And what it is, it's it's a type of cellular automata, which is uh, we've got a grid, an orthogonal grid, and you know individual cells. And you start with a pattern. Cells can be basically alive or dead. And you start with a, a basic pattern, and the cells around it become alive or dead, depending on certain rules. And the rules are very simple. If there's a dead cell and it's got exactly three live neighbours, it becomes born. And cells with two or three live neighbours that are also alive remain alive. Everything else is dead. And these things sort of grow and fall back and, you know, and so on. You can sort of animate these things, you know. Mm. And uh, there's a whole subculture I've discovered of of these things. I've, I've even joined a forum about it. Really? Yeah, and it's wow. it's 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 mathematics, right? This is mathematics, and uh, it's it's yeah, full of mathematicians that specialize in that field, and well, enthusiasts as well. So yeah. So what would kill off um, something, a cell? Well, if you have like just two by themselves, they die because it needs at least two or three neighbors. But is it purely the number of neighbours around them that will... Because it would never die off otherwise, would it? It would just constantly grow. Well, that's the thing. So it's based on the number of neighbours. Two or three remains alive. 
three creates a um, a live cell from a dead one. I just wouldn't have thought it would ever get to the point of shrinking. If um... oh no, it does. I mean, you you think if you start off with um, a certain pattern, and you'll get different shapes come up, and then it's kind of hard to explain. Really, it's one of these things you need to really see it. But well, I'm just thinking once you have once you have like a group, then the edge would constantly be would be hitting three cells, which would be oh, growing know, another you, one. Yeah, but and then sh- that would just, I just can't see it ever shrinking down. I just see it growing, well, growing you, essentially you got, exponentially. You got, to remember, you got to remember though, that to remain alive, it needs two or three. So four or more neighbors causes that cell to die. So uh, oh, a, a block okay. never stays a block. Okay. okay. Because of. I didn't, I didn't know about that part. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's two or three remain alive. Three creates a, a live cell from a dead one. Everything else is dead. So what are the mathematicians actually doing on, like, what are they looking they're, at? Oh, they're looking for starting patterns, which are called Methuselahs, uh, that, that last the longest. And, and there's, oh. like, records, there's a record table for, based on the number of starting cells. So, like, there's a record for the longest uh, running Methuselah uh, based on an initial f- seven cells. There's a record for eight cells, a record for nine cells, and so on. And Does it, it get, die off completely? No, no, they usually leave um, still life. So there are various shapes that stay the way they are. Like if you think about a block of four, two by two, they never move because each block is exactly, sorry, each square in that block has exactly three neighbors. It stays alive. Yeah. And so nothing nothing changes. Nothing around it becomes born because they don't touch three neighbors. So uh, a, a two by two block stays alive. There are other shapes which are kind of harder to describe here. Without you know, it's a visual thing, but uh, mm. so it leaves usually it usually leaves behind a whole bunch of like a mess of like a soup almost of still life. So they do they separate? Do they um, do they spawn off multiple like from a single um, live organism? Does it create more than one? Yeah. I'm assuming big boards with reasonably large blocks so yeah, that yeah. there's so, a lot more ability for it to do things. Yeah, well people have uh, have managed to create replicators where you've got a certain shape and you can create a whole, you know, with the correct sort of combination of live cells and dead cells, create a situation where that block gets replicated over a series of iterations. And uh, you get things like uh, spaceships they're called, which are things that glide across the screen. Yeah. Because um, they sort of reform into different patterns and then come back into its own pattern but shift it a square across and you know as you animate that it, it looks like it's moving across uh, you, you can make it do all sorts of you can actually create a whole computer with this because you can simulate end and all uh, end and all gates and once you've simulated end and all gates you can uh, you can basically implement anything given a big enough grid I wonder if this would be useful for like the lead into organic computing and and that kind of thing um, I don't know what it's useful for, but you know what I'm doing with it? I'm trying to find, I've written an algorithm to uh, search for the, for you know, the longest Methuselah, the longest lasting Methuselah based on a, a certain starting pattern and it goes through random patterns. I haven't bet the record yet, but I've come very, very close. Like one of, the, one of mine, I think one of the records for, is it eight or, or nine cells? I forget, it might be nine, is about 17,400 iterations and I've got, Within about twenty or fifteen, I think iterations of the record. Um, like how? Like what? Just just pure randomness, or how does my algorithm work? Well, how do you? How, yeah, why? How have you got so close to that? Like, is it? Yeah, no, that 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 is random. So my algorithm, you give it parameters like uh, an eight by seven square 
uh, find, start with, say, nine random live cells in an eight by seven square, and, and it it creates a random pattern like that. It yeah. plays the animation yeah. until the end, until it peters out, and records how many iterations that was. And so, what's the end? What's the end condition? So the end condition is when you have what's called stable life, and which is oh, okay. where you yeah. either have still life or, and I haven't mentioned these before actually, or things called blinkers. So. Uh, blinkers or oscillators, I should say. Oscillators are things that basically go back and forth, back and forth yeah. between two or more different shapes. Yeah, just an endless state. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just a circular pattern, if you like that. Um, yeah. Is it always a full grid that you're working with? Because uh, well, like, what I'm thinking is, could you have a, say you had a 100 by 100 grid, could you actually block out, um, you know, essentially um, uh, try and make a circle Within that that hundred by hundred grid that's not available, so the life would have to form around it. Oh, I was I see wondering, what you mean. If, yeah, yeah. could you actually so, get to a situation where the life creates us like would rotate around the circle, um, well, and the know, blinker would be around the circle? You know, you could do that. Now, the you know Conway, John Conway, who sort of invented this in, in 1970, it, it, he stipulated it's an infinite grid and it's just an orthogonal grid, and that that's all the rules he stipulated. But people have taken the liberty to sort of create other constraints a bit like what you said not so much that one exactly but other things like instead of a a flat infinite grid they've made it into a, a sort of a donut shape a torus shape and they fold it back in on itself so if you go uh, too far one way it come you know the cells sort of join up like a mobius strip sort of thing well actually they creating could, a single that, uh, that would a be interesting plane. that would mm. be interesting um not so much a mobius strip just a torus but you could, I guess you could yeah. do a Mobius strip as well. Have, have people been doing any like three-dimensional ones? Oh, that's a very good question. I that's a really good. Qu- that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the natural. <laughs> it's the natural progression, isn't I it? I like that. Well, you see, I went a different way. I thought when I first read about this, I started thinking, well, what about different rules? Instead of requiring you know two and three to remain alive and three to be to become born, what about a, a different sort of set of numbers, you know, different rules? And most of the rule sets don't actually work very well. They either grow exponentially or die Well, that's what I was talking about at the start when you first said it. it was well, like, well, yes. I, I didn't get the dying off thing. So, I was, yeah, I was like, so what? what is the condition that would cause something to die? Like, that was the buzz. Yeah. Right. Well, that, well, you see, and he's got those rules perfectly balanced in that way. So they... It's kind of got, I think, a tendency to die, but only just, if, if that makes sense. So they can balloon out into these huge things and then sort of eventually peter out. Yeah, I wonder what the rule would be for um, three-dimensional. Yeah, you'd have to come up with a... Because what, you're adding... A, you're adding um, there's a whole other dimension there. Nine, like 18 more points, aren't you, to what it can be connected That's to. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's... Um, and so then I also started thinking about what about non-orthogonal grids, like, uh, say, a tessellation of triangles or a tessellation of hexagons, yeah. Yeah. you know, like a honeycomb. And so I came up with these other ideas, but I didn't implement them. But I've kind of, I went that way, whereas I can see you've kind of extended it the other way by going, well, what about 2D? Well, now 3D. Well, I'm also thinking that if you actually play back the iteration, you're working in four dimensions as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right with time. Yeah. Anyway, so I've been playing around with that and written a few things. I've I've written some programs in C that chew up my. What's, C- what's this? What's it called? Um, Conway or Conway's Game of Life, and it's not a game. It's a misnomer, but that's why he's called it. So the name sticks. It's a simulation. 
You, you've captivated me. <laughs> yeah, go go and check it out. In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do, just because we're talking about it. I'll put a link to a simulation I created, uh, or a tool that you can simulate it, uh, and uh, we'll put that in our show notes under episode 305 on our website, boysatech.com. So, Ben, before you check that out, though, we've got a show to do. So, <laughs> Oh, no, you've lost me, dude. <laughs> I should have not. I should have done left <laughs> that to the end. I'm away. <laughs> You've got me back into my maths oh, no. world. It's been okay, a long th- time. All right, listeners, this is going to be a monologue while Ben goes and researches Conway's Game of Life. I'm sure I'll pop out oohs and ahs every now and again. But <laughs> Look, I want to get you excited about Samsung's flexible display. That does seem pretty cool. It does seem pretty big, yeah. yeah. So the Samsung display... Although, which, a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, let's go through some of the things. So Samsung Display, which is a division of Samsung that, strangely enough, makes displays, uh, it was going to launch a flexible display this side of Christmas, uh, one that can be folded in half. And I wonder whether it's going to be like uh, they're going to Im- implement it like a flip phone. Oh, you, you reckon? That'd well, be the, the, the flip phone, we covered this last week, I think, was it with Brad? The flip phone is, flip phone is making a comeback, would you believe it? No. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We covered that story with, with Brad. And it's very much the in thing. As really? a sort of an alternative, you know. I mean, I guess the old Nokia that used to flip out was, it was a good idea, but it was just so massive and clunky. It was, but if you had, if you essentially had like a small phone, like a, like a traditional sized phone um, one way with your touchscreen on it and then you fold that out, and it became like a much bigger, but essentially, like I could see that working, but um, uh, um, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm just. It would have to be like, done well. Like, couldn't be. Yeah. Done. It would have to be like super thin, and um, but then they could do all that sort of stuff, I guess. And we're going to get there eventually, aren't we? Oh yeah, it's a it's a matter of time. Not you know, it's a matter of uh, when, not if. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they so Samsung reckon they'll have something out this side of Christmas. I, I don't know whether that means they'll have the screen out or whether it means that will make its way into a product I'm not sure which they meant but yeah I reckon they just meant like demo because there's no way they're launching something like this this close to Christmas with no lead in and yeah it does seem a little uh, a little soon so I guess we'll see but I'm kind of excited about the possibilities that's going to bring I mean you could also have you know what, what I also like is also the ability to have not necessarily flexible displays, but non-flat displays. So something that can wrap around, or something that is, sorry, curved, I should say. Or, or um, you know, that's the other yeah, thing. I really like the um, the ones that there was that company that they developed, the um, like the organic keyboard that rose out of the screen. Do you remember that? Uh, um, so it gave you a tactile oh, response. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. I th- it only worked with like, you know, an iPhone or something or a very particular type. And it was essentially a um, like an overlay that you, yep. you stuck on top. Yep. But that sort of thing seemed really cool. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And I think, you know, if that sort of technology was built into devices, combine that with the flexible display, uh, you know, for, for, for certain devices. And, you know, we've got some really, really cool tech uh, yeah. happening. Yeah. The other thing, by the way, that Samsung announced is it's going to reduce the number of products in the in the phone space. It, it reckons it's got too much. It does have a lot. Mm. And a lot in the really low end as well. Yep. So they're cutting that back. Uh, yeah, so let's see where that goes. Now, on to Apple. Now, 
Apple's made an announcement, which I want to cover in just a second, but just to take us there, Ben, have you tried some of the apps in the in the App Store, be it the Apple one or the, the Android one or whichever one, where the app is free, but there's a whole bunch of in-app purchases, and some games are even to the extent where you really can't get far in the game without having to purchase something. Um, no, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about, and I've also seen... You know, South Park episode last week, I think it was, that was about exactly that. All right, I didn't see that. Okay, so you're obviously familiar with that. And, you know, I've got a couple of apps, well, a handful of apps, actually, that are like that. And it's kind of annoying because they're free, but they're not really free if you want to actually do anything interesting in the app. And so Apple have decided that they're going to react, if you like, to that by no longer listing them as free in the App Store. Oh, so they're going to remove all that stuff from inside the app? No, no, they're going to keep that because the developers are allowed to have that. But oh, okay. all it is, it's a labeling thing. So the button that you click to download normally shows you the price. Currently, they say free. It's now going to say get. Oh, so that's going to stop people from being annoyed by all the, the in-game stuff. Well, look, I think it's about expectation setting, isn't it, Ben? I mean... Uh, you know, those things will obviously exist in those apps. We know that. But I think it's just about setting expectations. When you hit the button free, I guess it sets some expectations. There's some, a meaning there. And it just doesn't feel right when you click free and it downloads. And then it's like, buy this, buy that, you know, get this extra, you know, bundle of coins for $5 or something. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I think, it, uh, I it's, think a it's a good no- move. It's a nothing gesture. If they were actually serious, they would they would create an actual free category where all that stuff's banned, and those apps would be labelled as free, and then they'd no, use I think the they will be. for the I, new I, category. I'm sure they will be. The, the, the free, as I understand it, the ones that are free that don't have in-app purchases will be labelled as free. Because it just sounded like it was a blanket change, which... Oh, okay, I is pointless. I'm, yeah, I'm not so sure. My understanding is that the the apps that are free will still, you know, with no in-app purchases, will be labelled free still. Oh, well, that, that's a good thing. That's good. So, that's, good. Mm. that's something. I just think it's, you know, it's just about setting expectations. They're not about banning things and saying you can't do this. They've provided the platform. In fact, they developed and encouraged uh, app developers to to build an in-app purchases. There's a whole platform that the, you know, iOS development kit, uh, you know, has included that supports that. But uh, it's just about setting expectations. I mean, people, people, uh, people will be learning already that you know these things aren't free. Yeah, uh, what have they coined the term? I think freemium. I think is the term they use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, the EU Parliament may propose a breakup of Google. It's getting too big for its boots. I mean, out of the face of it, it's ridiculous. It's just. Um, Absolutely ridiculous. But when you read into the reasoning and what they're talking about, it actually makes a lot of sense. So what are some of those reasons? Why are they saying they are considering Um, breaking up Google? They're not actually talking about Google. It's extrapolated out the effect of what they're talking about would cause Google to have to be broken up. So what they're saying is that no search engine provider should have, um, have like competitive advantages being applied to other parts of their organization. So essentially no search engine provider should have a commercial arm that can benefit from stuff that it's doing. Like it shouldn't be able to favor, you know, say say you've got two websites like Google Plus and Yelp that both do um, reviews. It shouldn't be able to favor Google Plus over Yelp just because it's its, it's parent company. 
Uh, okay. Uh, All right. So, I mean, and also the amount of data that's held by a company because they're providing search engine information, like search engine um, information, is there's too much information that they can gather, like too much metadata, and to be able to tie that into other parts of the same company, it it is dangerous. Um, and they probably at, at that level they probably should be split out. Um, but the thing that the article doesn't talk about is um, it probably means that Bing needs to be split away from Microsoft as well. Uh, well, it depends. If Bing are favouring results for, say, you look for office productivity or something and it's, oh, I don't know, or some other thing and it's favouring its products, then I guess yes. No, but what they're, what they're saying is that no search engine no search engine provider or company can leverage other parts of its company. So, I mean, Microsoft is obvious, obviously leveraging Bing, and Bing is obviously tied to Microsoft. So, therefore, you know, Google shouldn't be able to run the search engine part of the company in the same part as the rest of the company, and Microsoft shouldn't be able to run Bing. Like it's, Actually, it's that's, pretty, a good, that's a good point. Cause it's what's pretty different, clear cut, really. Yeah, you're right. What's different between... Microsoft running Bing and Google running Google Search. The only difference is that Bing came after Microsoft and Google came out of Google. And, um, and the other difference being that Bing is a load of rubbish. Well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're not stating the obvious here. We're just talking about interesting things. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, um, so, yeah, I think that's a good, I think it's actually a good point. I, I mean, they're never going to be able to do it, but it is a good, it is a good thing. Yeah, you're skeptical that this will never actually... Well, they've got no power. They've got no power no, to enforce it. No, but and they, anything that they would do would probably just be a token gesture anyway. Yeah. But they can convince a European Commission to do that, can't they? And they have teeth, as I understand. Because this is the European Parliament that's considering this. And as I understand, they can, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but convince the European Commission to do so. Does the do the does the European Union have a free a free trade deal with America? Because if they do, then Google would be able to sue them if they did that. Well, I don't know. I mean, surely, surely these provisions are. I mean, I I I, I don't know if you can draw those conclusions. Can you? I mean, they well, if you if if you've been following the discussions that have been happening around the the free trade deal that we're potentially entering into or we're going to be entering into that was a big that was one of the biggest things was the ability to for a private company to sue a government for changing laws that affect its business negatively um, and this would be a classic example of this yeah but there must Being be some caveats around that surely mm, depends Depends how good your negotiators are. I don't think ours are very good. So, <laughs> although it's political, isn't it? We probably need to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll end the political side there. But yeah, look. Uh, let's let's see what happens in Europe. I mean, remember they did do the whole thing with the browser thing with yeah. Microsoft. With Microsoft, yeah. I mean, yeah. it sort of it rings a little bit of a bell for that. And it's you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If Microsoft has like, you know, Microsoft had to obey what they were doing back in the day, and I completely mm. agreed with it. And I potentially agree with this, but I think it needs to be applied across the board. Yeah, oh, uh, totally, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, uh, I'd like to think that that's how they're drafting it up. As you said, they haven't specifically mentioned Google, but they've yeah. mentioned yeah. Uh, you know situations in which. which in the current situation, Google would end up having to be split out. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, why another one of these watch this space stories? Mm. Mm. It's hard to know if it would actually change anything. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I although having said that, the Browns, the thing with Microsoft, there's a huge difference. Well, when I say huge, it is significant. There's a significant difference in the browser stats for Europe as there are in, in say, the States and the rest of the world. Yeah. I.e. doesn't feature so high in Europe at all. Opera, what's, it does what's very the well. the operating system... Um like numbers like well I don't have that, those figures in my head but that would be interesting as well because you still can't get a Microsoft operating system without IE natively installed though can you uh, I, no correct I think you can I think like can you remove it now I mean once they moved um, Windows Update away from it I, I think it's no longer core oh I don't know I don't, can you actually remove the whole thing I I'm not sure I don't know I don't know I'd be surprised I don't know I don't use Windows enough to know uh, I'm not interested enough to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, well, let's leave that story there. We'll take a short break when we come back. A New Zealand story on, I'll give you a clue, a streaming movie service coming to New Zealand and Australia very soon. Don't go away. Welcome back. And as you heard me allude to just before the break, I'm sure you've all read about it. Netflix has announced it's going to arrive in New Zealand and Australia March 2015. Mm, yeah. Now, what cool. I want to know what that's going to do to uh, competitors like Lightbox and Quickflix. And you know what? They're saying, yeah, yeah, bring it on. But really, I think <laughs> they're shaking in their boots. Oh, God, yeah. It's obviously just a complete like joke what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, the one thing they do have is they have licensed a, a bunch of content for New Zealand, which removes removes access that Netflix can have to it. Um, but it depends on how much stuff, how much of that they actually have. So they've done uh, like exclusive... Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've signed agreements. Because there was no competition, they signed agreements. Going forward, they're probably not going to have the same access to those those um, programs later on because Netflix will already have, you know, they'll have every other market signed up and it's just a matter of them rolling over the deal. Whereas, you know, before March, there is no alternative. So why wouldn't the places sell to... Yeah, but to look, Lightbox I, I don't or, think... I, I'm very sceptical. Have you actually looked at the catalogue for Lightbox? Under Kiwi... There are all of, and I kid you not, one, two, three, four, twenty titles, and that's it. Those are the twenty okay. New Zealand ones. N- n- do Netflix care about twenty titles? <laughs> I'm serious. How do I answer that? I don't know. It depends which ones they are. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, but sure. Um, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot more New Zealand content than twenty, and the, you know, Lightbox have only got twenty. Well, what, I mean, what I'm what I'm saying is that even if all those twenty were exclusive licenses, I don't think it's going to bother Netflix. I can read you what they are. There's only twenty of them. The, the <laughs> movies, the movies is not really the killer. It's the TV series and things. Well, this I is think. TV. This is this is TV. Lightbox is only TV. There's only what? There's only twenty TV shows. Twenty TV. I'll, I'll read them out. Aftershock, Being Eve, Brotown, Claire, Eruption, Here to Stay, Holly's Heroes, How to Look at a Painting, Kai Tangata's Twitch. Well, did I say that right? Maddington's Quest. Uh, Mataku, Nothing Trivial, and Nothing Trivial Finale, Out of the Blue, The Big Picture, A Personal View by Hamish, The Garden Pantry, The Hot House, Insider's Guide to Happiness, two more, Insider's Guide to Love, and The Jackie Brown Diaries. That's it. Uh. That, that's that's it. That's all I got. Um, the thing that I'm interested about is, you know, Lightbox is the... Lightbox is the New Zealand Netflix and like well, Sky well, TV. Quickflix, Quickflix is the New Quickflix Zealand Netflix. Quickflix is the New Zealand Netflix. So now 
Netflix will be the New Zealand Netflix, I guess. <laughs> well, I think it will be, and I think QuickFlix is going to die a, a slow and horrible death. And so, well, all these companies put like where the New Zealand, where the New Zealand version of Netflix on their websites. Yeah, they so, did. Yeah, QuickFlix have got that. I, I think we so talked about when it. Netflix opens. How does how does that work? Because well, actually, you, you did change the wording a little bit. They didn't say where the, the Netflix of New Zealand, but they they said something different. But they had the word Netflix in it. The fact that they're referring to Netflix seems very like as a definition of what they do. It's desperate. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd it says the, the wording, by the way, is QuickFlix is a New Zealand equivalent of the Netflix service. That's what they've. That's what they currently say on their website. I, I don't know. I yeah. I think we're saying the same thing here, right? I I can't see QuickFlix lasting. I can't see Lightbox lasting. I just think Netflix is going to eat them for lunch. Yeah, Sky TV is the only real competitor, and um, they haven't fully launched into it yet. I don't think. I mean, they've got my, they've got the iSky or whatever. Um, oh, there's Igloo as well, isn't there? But that's not streaming, is it? Or is it now? Is, I think. Uh, do they do? Do they stream or is that? Uh, if they're not, the they're doing it soon. Like they're planning on getting into it. Okay. Um, okay. So they'll be the only real competitor, I'd say. Okay. Mm. Yeah. It's going to depend on what licenses they have as well, like whether their TV rights have extended to the internet or not. Well, I tell you what, the other thing that uh, Netflix coming here will kill, and that is the uh, Slingshot plans to give you this VPN thing, and I think iHug as well, was it? Or Vodafone or whatever uh, it is. No, I think, um, I think Cool Plus was the only one, actually, like Orcon was the only one actually offering it, wasn't it? Is it? Or was it as a, as a proper, was it Orcon? Slingshot and Orcon, yeah, were the only ones that were actually oh, offering. Oh, sorry, okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but so... But I mean, still going to be, there's still going to be other things like that. that people will still want that service. Um, like if Global Mode gives them access into um, like the BBC iPlayer or something, then people will want it for that. Oh, okay, so what you mean, yeah, it's not just for for Netflix. Mm. Yeah, there's mm. other, there's other, I mean, there's other... Um, like there's what's the other one that's owned by Hulu Hulu um, oh, yeah. okay. is owned by all the big media companies over there um, and like people would want something like that um, yeah true mm. so anyway there we go Netflix is set for release in March 2015 uh, Australia and New Zealand wow I'm excited yeah, yeah it's cool that's mm. good it's good to get yeah. a real service here uh, no disrespect to QuickFlix but your product is really Pathetic. Right. No, dis- disrespect. <laughs> oh, look, I've, I think I've had a little rant about QuickFlix on this show before. It's you just, have, yeah. at least with me, once. Yeah, right, so I won't, we won't have it again. We've had it, but I think you know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> All right, Ben, well, that is pretty much it. That's the end of episode 300 and 400 and what is it? 304. 403, 400 and 300, 305, 305, that's it. That's episode 305. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. You're welcome. It's been a good show, and we'll do it again next time. Until then, have yourselves a fantastic week. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.